This communication was prepared for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. All opinions or views reflect the judgment of the authors as of the broadcast date and are subject to change without notice. Julius Wealth Advisors, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. Our disclosure brochure, available at advisorinfo.sec.gov or through contacting us, provides further detail about our business services and fees. Wealth Advisors. Welcome to episode six of the Big Bo Show. Hope everyone is doing well. My name is Jason Blumstein, also known as Big Bo, CEO and founder of Julius Wealth Advisors. On episode six of the Big Bo Show, I want to talk about a concept called KISS. I'll get into what that means in a little bit. But we're coming off of Father's Day and we're also in baseball season. I know I like to talk about football a lot. I was a football player in college, but I also, one of my first true loves was the game of baseball. Um, if you listen to prior episodes, you know I pretty much just stopped playing baseball because I ended up being 6'2", 275 pounds in high school. And once they said, hey, if you uh, given your skill set, you can play baseball or football, and football, you're pretty much guaranteed to get a scholarship. I ended up choosing football. But in baseball, again, coming off of Father's Day, baseball, the the person that taught me a lot about baseball was my dad. And playing baseball, one of the biggest concepts that he used to ingrain in me and our teammate was the concept of kiss or keep it simple, stupid. The point here is that you don't really want to overcomplicate things, especially when you're young and you're starting to to learn the game of baseball or really anything uh, in life. Now, myself, I am now a father myself, and I have a a child that's playing Little League Baseball, and I'm heading up the the coaching for that team. Now, last season, uh, going back to 2021, our team finished 0-7-1. We didn't win one game. I had 13 kids on my team. 10 of them never touched the baseball in their life. Now this year, same same nucleus of kids on my team. And we started off the season 0-3. Uh, actually 0-4. And what I started to drill into the kids on my team was this concept of keep it simple, stupid. Of kiss. And... What does that mean when it relates to baseball? So, first of all, a lot of the kids were going up there. The pitcher was throwing wild, and they would just swing the bat. Now, if you ever play Little League Baseball or watched it, first-time kids are pitching. Most kids are wild. Maybe you'll get a a strike once in a while, but a lot of balls are thrown. And if someone's pitching wild, learn how to take a pitch or don't swing at the next pitch. So I taught these kids that concept of, hey, if the pitcher is wild, why don't you wait for him to throw a strike or two before you start to swing the bat? I even instituted the concept of a take signal where I touch my hat, 
now maybe if other teams are listening to this now they know my signal but either way i touch my hat and if i touch my hat that means don't swing at the next pitch great we started to walk get people on base get a few hits score some runs awesome the next thing i was noticing is that like a lot of little kids um, they don't understand the concept of just holding on to the ball hey if the ball's hit to you you're playing third odds are this age you don't have a strong enough arm to get them out at first base balls hit the third base just hold the ball better to hold the ball call, run it in call timeout than to throw to first make an error guy goes to second throw the ball to second go to third go to throw the ball to third guy gets in the park home run <laughs> not good now so we thought then the concept of stop throwing the ball around call a timeout the other thing was pitching our pitching was uh to say it lightly, horrific. The biggest thing I noticed with pitching is the pitchers need to learn mechanics. The mechanics of how to throw a proper pitch, to have the, the proper balance, to have the proper motion, and really to concentrate on throwing strikes. It doesn't matter how hard you throw at this age, especially because you don't want to throw your shoulder at at such a young age, but just throw strikes, get the ball over the plate, throw a strike, odds are at this age, nine, 10, 11 year old kids, most of the kids in the lineup aren't hitting the ball anyways. Just throw strikes. So I taught them also that if you're going to swing, a lot of time people were swinging, were they indecisive, check swinging, this, that, and the other. If you're going to swing the bat, swing the bat hard. Hey, maybe you'll actually make contact. But do not make check swings or be indecisive. Make a decision and go with it. Ten and sent, um, Eventually, what we ended up doing is cutting down on our unforced errors. We ended up winning by not losing, by not hurting ourselves. And I'm happy to report that we won six of our last eight games of the season. And we've also entered the team into a little league tournament. Now they're too young, wait a couple years, maybe this team will make it to Williamsport. Um, but this is the making of a team that has potential mainly because we bought into the concept of KISS, or keep it simple, stupid. Now, how does this concept relate to creating wealth and sustainable wealth and investing? Well, the first thing that's going on right now, if anyone's been paying attention, is that the markets are in bear market territory, which means that they're down by more than 20%. Uh, low has been about 23% down in the S&P 500. NASDAQ has been down worse, over 30% down. Mainly because one of the things I talk about a lot on the show, and if you're a client or a prospective client of Julius Wealth Advisors, I see that many people treat investing like gambling. That's not what you're doing. And I'll share a little story. I was at a friend's house over the weekend um with a bunch of people over and they really and they started talking about investing and a conversation came up and a couple people started talking about how they relate it to gambling and of course these individuals uh thought they could probably tie markets this that and the other um and i was enjoying my time with some friends and eating and and having a couple drinks and honestly i almost lost my appetite uh mainly because of the way this mindset uh that these people were showing and it's really sad because this is a mindset that in my opinion is permeated uh, across 
this country, which is also why, in my opinion, there is a financial literacy gap in this country of two uh, of two uh, statistics that I point out all the time to people that the uh, majority of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck and that the real percentage of millionaires hasn't increased in over 20 years. And it's mainly, in my opinion, due to this lack of financial literacy. And again, many people think, quote unquote, the stock market, it's gambling. It's not, folks. What you're actually doing is you're investing in pieces of businesses for people. Now, the funny thing is, it's sadly comical. Again, I was with my brother-in-law last week at my niece's graduation. Mentioned to the concept that, that he loves this analogy where the analogy I give to people is that if an article of clothing, let's just say shoes, goes on sale for 20 to 30% off, everyone always wants to go out and buy it. Hey, I want a pair of shoes. They're $100. Now they're $80, maybe even $70. Well, hey, that's a bargain. Let me go buy it. Hey, let's go. Let's do it. Now, if that same shoe company stock or their equity or owning a piece of their business went down by 20 to 30%. It was at $100 a share. Now it's at $80 a share, maybe $70 a share. People get scared and they actually run away. And I'll ask you this question to ponder. What do you think is going to create more value in wealth over your lifetime? Is it going to be buying those pairs of shoes that were, that were 20 to 30% off? Or is it going to be buying the equity or piece of the business of the shoe company that was down 20 to 30%? My best guess is that, and this is time tested, it's going to be owning a piece of that shoe company versus those actual pair of shoes. Now, again, I always like to tell people a concept of that numbers don't lie. People do. People get emotional. And at a time like this, when the market's down 20%, bear market territory, emotions are high. If you look at the sentiment of people, it's negative. There's uh, bearishness indicators. It's 58% of the people are bearish. Very close to all-time highs if you look at, at the data. Now let's look at actual other data. Now if you go back to the 1950s, there have been 11 other bear markets, again, when the S&P 500 drops 20% or more. During this time, the average decline has been 34%, and the length of the bear market has been 13 months, with the recovery taking another 23. So again, from peak to trough, bear market, has lasted about 13 months and then getting back to the prior peak another 23 total of, a, of close to three years right however a couple of these bear markets were the 2000 tech bubble followed by september 11th and the 2007 financial crisis where if you strip those out because in my opinion for for a variety of different reasons number one if you think about uh september 11th that was attack on the uso we went to war Hopefully that never happens again, but this hasn't happened currently, right? So I wouldn't really think what's going on right now is similar to what took place during the September 11th timeframe. Additionally, financial crisis. 
Now, people, um, if you think about the financial crisis, the financial crisis was uh, an attack on our banking system, mainly due to poor underwriting standards. People were giving people mortgages that uh, there was a thing called ninja loans where no income uh, was necessary. Uh, so that's, you know, if you look at the banking system, the banking system is fairly healthy right now. Uh, if, if you if you listen to comments by Jerome Powell earlier today testifying to Congress, he said our, our banking system is strong. If you look at uh, some of the things that went in place during the Dodd-Frank regulation was there meant to make our banking system strong. Right. So if you strip those two time periods out, the average decline for the bear market was was about 30 percent. The length lasted 10 months and then it took another 17 months to recover. So again, about two years. So right now we are about six months into a bear market with a 23% decline. Again, so if you look at either the 30% decline, I would argue you're probably closer to the bottom than the top. 30%, 23, that's another 7%. That Those bear markets lasted about 10 months. We're sitting at month six. So again, maybe another four months. Again, no one has a crystal ball. There's no magic elixir. I just try to look at data and let the data d drive decision-making and not emotions. So remember the concept of KISS, keep it simple, stupid. When it comes to creating wealth, when it comes to if you're someone out there that's coaching a little league team, remember this simple concept and I think it will help you out uh, over the long term. And we'll be right back after a quick commercial break. And when I get back, we're going to talk about four ways for you to help manage your wealth during periods of uncertainty. Growing up, Jason Blumstein had become accustomed to a life of financial struggle and frustration. His grandfather, Julius, took the time to teach him the difference financial literacy can make. Since then, Jason has Julius to thank for pulling him out of the mud and pushing him to become empowered, educated, and independent. We want Julius Wealth Advisors to do the same for you. At Julius Wealth Advisors, we are committed to continuing the legacy of literacy and learning. Advising to us is much more than simply telling our clients what to do, it's teaching them how to do it. Our emphasis on client education is founded on the fact that we've seen its benefits firsthand. Our lives and our firm are built by the tools wise friends and family members have passed down to us, and our passion is to pass these tools unto you. Please call us at 201-289-9181 or email at info at juliuswealthadvisors.com to take your first step to be empowered to live your best financial life. All right, we're back from our commercial break. Hope you like that commercial. And now we're going to talk about four ways to help manage your wealth during periods of uncertainty. And again, really, when you say the word uncertainty, I always like to joke around with people and say, well, hey, what really is certain life, as they say, besides death and taxes? Uh, so really, I would say that this is kind of a way to think about managing your wealth uh, during during 
all times, but again, right now it's a little bit heightened because we are a heightened level of uncertainty with the markets declining, with inflation, uh, with, uh, with a war in, in Europe between Ukraine and Russia, some uh, politics in the U.S. So again, I uh, thought it would be helpful to address this on this episode. So the four ways I always like to coach people into looking at their finances and, and building wealth, the first thing you need to do is check your balance sheet. Now, as a CFA charter holder, one of the biggest things that I learned during that and also uh, with my time as an equity research analyst, they, they, you want to understand the company, a company's balance sheet because one of the first things that can go wrong with a company, even if they have a great product or a great service, is the balance sheet. And when I talk about a balance sheet, uh, for those that do not know, what I'm talking about is taking an inventory of your assets. Those are things that you actually own and your liabilities. Those are things that you owe or owe others. And the difference between your assets and your liabilities is essentially your net worth. So when you think about checking your balance sheet, you want to make sure that you have ample liquidity. This liquidity can come in the form of true cash or ways to tap into uh, liquidity of your assets. Now, uh, your balance sheet should have liquidity and the proper structure of your liabilities or your debt. Well, a lot of people say, well, debt is a four-letter word. What I like to try to coach people in thinking is that, well, debt, you need to sort of understand it. You need to really have a more nuanced approach of understanding your balance sheet, your assets, and your liabilities. But the first place to start is to look at your balance sheet. Step number two is to look at your cash flow. Your cash flow is simply your income minus your expenses. Now, your income, a lot of times, a lot of people don't have the luxury of adjusting their income. Most people and most Americans are W-2 employees, meaning they work uh, work for other people. And uh, especially during periods of uncertainty, I know the job market has been very hot lately, uh, but typically during periods of uncertainty, it, it takes a pretty bold individual to go in to their boss and demand a raise. So I would probably say there's probably not a ton of flexibility to adjust your income. The better place to look is at your expenses. Now, when it comes to your expenses, you want to take uh, get a simple budget out. And I always like to tell people, look at separating your needs from your wants. Now, your needs are, well, you need to pay your mortgage. You need to pay for your car. You have health insurance. And you got to probably, some people have real estate taxes. Uh, So these are things that you need to pay for. Now, there's also wants. And these wants are separated in nuanced ways as well. For example, well, you need to eat, right? We all need to eat, and especially me, I you know, love eating. But do you need to go out for dinner five times a week, or do you want to go out for dinner five times a week? You see the difference there? Well, you, know, you probably don't need to go out to dinner five times a week, so maybe you eat at home three days of the week out of the five. Or do you want to order that tomahawk steak 
Or do you need to order that tomahawk steak? Well, odds are you don't really need to, you want to. So maybe you order a burger instead. Burgers, very delicious. So that's the first thing you want to look at. And, I, and, I, and I'd also, if, if you're any, anything uh, like me during the pandemic, you've, you've probably uh, signed up for a lot of the subscriptions uh, for streaming services. I know with my kids, I have all the streaming services out there. So look for things like this. Well, you know, it might not seem like a big dollar amount. If you look for these things where you're separating needs from wants, the dollars can add up. So that's the second thing that I always tell people to look at. First, check your balance sheet. Two, check your cash flow. Step number three, making investments. Now, the only way or the best way to get to number step number three is to go through steps one and two because what I find during times of uncertainty is that people tend to want to shy away from continuing to make investments in their longer term wealth creation process. Either A, their emotions get, a, get ahead of themselves and they want to sell. The other day I got a text message uh, or a call from, from a friend or a client and he's like, oh, should we sell out of our 401k? Well, this, they're in their late 30s. I mean, you can't really touch your retirement account to your 59 and a half. Why would you sell your retirement account, especially now when the market's already down 23%? So again, it's more of an emotional decision than a logical decision. Additionally, if you have the proper balance sheet and the proper cash flow if you're able to still continue to to kick off cash flow at times like this you do not want to stop the miracle of compounding right and the miracle of compounding goes into what i've talked what i often tell people is that to create sustainable wealth you really just need two things you need time which if you're in your mid thirties to mid forties, you have a lot of time on your hand. If you're even younger, you even have more time on your hand. I, for one, understood these concepts and I started when I was 20, right? Every single paycheck, put away money, got a raise, put away more money. Market was down 2007, 2009, put away more money, right? Because you understand the concept that you actually own businesses. And this goes back to what I talked about in the first segment of that if a pair of shoes goes on sale for 20 to 30 percent people want to rush out to buy it but if the stock of the shoe company goes down 20 to 30 percent people shy away no if you were if you were looking to invest in quality businesses quality i'll emphasize quality these great businesses should bounce back over time and all you're doing Let's say, for example, you're investing, making up a number here, $10,000 a month. Well, if it goes, if the price goes down, now you're actually buying more shares. Pretty simple math. If you're investing the same $10,000 and it goes down by 20%, you're actually buying more. And you have the time and you have the flexibility to not stop this miracle of compounding and using times like these and times of uncertainty at, to your advantage. And the fourth thing which I talk about a lot and I've talked about previously on this show is changing your behavior. Again, at a time like this, emotions tend to get the best of us. 
focus on your behavior. And this is what, what I talked about in my last podcast, the power of a coach. The power of a coach, someone that can help you take an objective look at your life, make objective decisions between your balance sheet, your cash flow, your investings, how you're allocating your capital, that really just has your best interest at heart versus the emotions that sometimes get caught up when you're working with either just your spouse or just yourself. So again, I think behavioral coaching is extremely important. We emphasize this a lot at Julius Wealth Advisors. I would tell you if you if you need this coach, I would argue many people need this coach to reach out to us. www.juliuswealthadvisors.com. Phone number is 201-289-9181. To experience the power of behavioral coaching, someone that can take an objective look at yourself and your finances and help you make better decisions that are driven by data and not necessarily emotions. Again, coaching is a very important part of my life. I've experienced great coaches uh, in my life, whether it be football, whether it be baseball, whether it be uh, in in the working world where I was able to learn under uh, other mentors and and reading books about uh, people like uh, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger who emphasize the lack of emotions that it takes to create sustainable wealth. So I really want to emphasize Step number four, the power of changing your behavior. So with that said, this is going to wrap up episode six of the Big Bow Show. I hope you understood and value the concept of KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. Try not to overcomplicate things in life. Look at the data. Let the data make your decisions for you and tend to try to take the path of least resistance. Life is hard. Life is difficult. A lot of different nuances at play. And if you keep things simple, it will help, in my opinion, with many facets of your life, and especially when it comes to creating long-term sustainable wealth. And I'll end this with a quote that my friend recently sent to me. He sent me this quote. Words, the quote is, the biggest enemies of growth are fear and ego. I'll say that again. The biggest enemies of growth are fear and ego, which we talked about in the show. So if you want to grow, you want to have longer term sustainable wealth, you can't let what's going on right now cause fear. Fear causes emotions. Emotions makes you do irrational things. And also the power of behavioral coaching. A lot of people do not want to have a coach because they they think they can do it all themselves. Okay? Again, I gave the analogy in the last show of working out. Listen, when 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 I was playing sports, I know how to work out. I used to bench 365 pounds. I squatted over 500 pounds. I ran a 49540. I was 275 pounds. Okay. Now, however, right now, I don't work out as hard as I do. Not because I don't know how, but because I don't have a coach that's motivating me and pushing me and looking at me objectively and saying, Jason, you need to do this or Jason, you need to not do that. So again, the biggest enemies of growth 
our fear and ego. So I'll wrap it up. Episode six of the Big Bow Show. Kiss. Live a life of integrity. Live a life of knowledge. And always live a life of your passions. All the best. Until next time. Thank you for tuning into the Big Bow Show. Julius Wealth Advisors.